You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. They get a chance, though, and score. Short-handed, Brad Marchand. Regression. No, no. No, no. It's our first loss in a while, so if you're going to lose, I guess you're going to throw a dud. That was a dud. You got the dud! <laughs> All I can say is, you know, we got to refocus and try to have a good game in choice. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver. Six o'clock on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Brough. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. It's nice to be able to laugh again, isn't it? That was a good intro, Laddie. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Well, they pay the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle. You get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. I was listening to Josh Elliott Wolf on the post-post-game show yesterday, right here on Sportsnet 650. He does that read differently. Oh, how does he? He doesn't really ask it as a question. He is. It's like a call to action for sore feet. He's like, sore feet, what are you waiting for? Oh, okay. Like I like that. Yeah. That's very professional. We're waiting to no longer be sore. <laughs> but he, Yeah, but he's, he's that's kind of like accusing people. Yeah. Like, sore feet, what are you waiting for? Yeah, I didn't say I liked it. I just I was like, that's an interesting way to do it. And he doesn't have a partner that jumps in and yeah, his yeah. at the end of it. Right, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you can expect more hijinks like this throughout the next two hours and 58 minutes. Uh, we got a lot to get into on the show today. It's a Friday. So they're always really chaotic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We have a lot of things we need to do. We have a lot of people we have to talk to. We have a lot of stuff we have to give away. Uh, Guest list begins 630. Uh, Tarek El-Bashir, who is a Caps insider for Monumental Network, Monumental Sports, actually. And he is a ringside analyst for TNT. He's going to join us to talk about the Washington Capitals. We're not even paying attention to Saturday's opponent, the Detroit Red Wings. Forget those guys. We're already moving ahead to Super Bowl Sunday. Canucks Caps. Actually, we wanted to talk to Tark because we wanted to talk about a very interesting Washington Capitals team. Well, no, there's one. No, there's we didn't. one. There's one thing that's interesting about Washington, and that's Alex Ovechkin. Nicked out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tar- Tar- Tarek is. Uh, he's covered the Washington Capitals for a long, long time. Um, so I'm just curious to to know what his take on Ovechkin is, and whether he thinks that Ovi's going to get to Gretzky's record and just what he's seen this year from um, arguably the greatest goal scorer ever, but not officially yet. He scored last night, by the way, Ovi. Three, okay. three games now. Uh, so, that, so that's 11? 12? 11. 11. Yes. Okay. Think about that one for a sec. Uh, 7 o'clock, AJ from AJ's Pizza is going to join us. 7.05, uh, as Andy made sure I noted in the note in the rundown. Uh, we're going to do our locks of the week for the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is Sunday, of course. Uh, 7.30, speaking of the Super Bowl, uh, celebrity hunter Bob the Moj Marjanovic is going to join us. Uh, he got some one-on-one time, sort of, with The Rock yesterday. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, in case you don't know who The Rock is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I saw the I saw the video with Moj. Moj got a lot of security guards. The yes. Rockos. I thought those were Mojes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe they were. Yeah, they were fighting amongst each other. They both had security posses. Moj is just is uh, the perfect guy for that role down on Super Bowl row because you need to be loud and you need to be able to just like be willing to yell at people in a sea of loudness can you be the loudest and hey Mo- rock rock <laughs> yeah. hey rock yeah and Mo- that? oh hey and moj and moj did it they're both uh, they they go with the singular moniker too right you've got rock and moj that's probably yeah. why they connected so well anyway moj is going to join us at 7 30 live from radio road super bowl eight o'clock uh rick dollywall is going to join the program I don't know what we're going to talk about with Dolly. I didn't get the notes last night, so I'm very excited to hear what Dolly has on the We're going to talk, about, talk about Canucks. More Phil Kessel. Oh, yeah? Nice. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually really interested in that. So mm-hmm. 8 o'clock, Dolly's going to join the program. We're giving away a final pair of tickets to see the HSBC Rugby 7s uh, from February 23rd to 25th at BC Place. If you want those, text your What We Learned into the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. Rugby ball emoji. Ticket emoji. Canada flag emoji, whatever. All of them will enter you. It has to be a what we learned, though, because we're also giving away a $100 gift card to AJ's Pizza on East Broadway. That's going to go to the best Ask Us Anything. Put a pizza emoji into your Ask Us Anything text. Hashtag it AUA. That's how you can win a $100 gift card to AJ's. It is Ask Us Anything Friday. we got a big show. I've rambled too long. Without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. A game that was hyped as a potential Stanley Cup final preview fell flat on its face. It was a dud in a lot of ways, but mostly and almost exclusively for your hometown Vancouver Canucks. Their worst performance of the season and maybe their most hyped game of the season. Canucks lose 4 nothing to Linus Allmark, Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, and the Boston Bruins at TD Garden on Thursday. Yeah, there was. There's only been a couple like that. Um, you know, you go back to near the beginning of the season, their performance in Philly, and the home game against Philly, and the road game in <laughs> Toronto. Other than that, you know, like yeah, they've had a few losses here and there, but um, none were quite the disaster that that one was. And I know a lot of people were texting in saying, uh, "I'm getting Game Three vibes here from 2011 Stanley Cup Final." And iMac referenced that. I mean, pretty much all the games in Boston didn't go well that year. Take your pick. Um, Yeah, it was just, um, you know, right off the hop, although I guess it kind of started well because the third third line is the only line that did anything last night. First 30 seconds of that game could not have gone any better for the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks draw an early penalty, and it was all downhill from there. Um, Poor puck management compounded by a lack of defensive awareness really on both goals like that that was that was the story on on both shorthanded goals to start the game if you don't manage the puck well you at least have to cover up defensively and you know on the first goal you've got um you've got Thatcher Demko ringing around the wall 
there was a better play there. But to be fair to Demko, the Canucks weren't back to give him an option. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Brad Marchand is all alone in front of the net. I think Miller and Petey were in the vicinity. So that's their responsibility. Um, You know, the second goal, bad puck management in the offensive zone. Um, Hughes for, I don't know if he was tired or just didn't get a good break on it. Kind of gave up early on the chase back. Petey was there with the Bruins player, but he, you know, Heinen's a fast player, but you know, it wasn't the best defensive effort. It was just, you know, and then they're down two nothing and, and you hope that, that they start the, uh, the second period a, a little better. Well, they didn't because they got kind of a bad break with a bunch of bad bounces that, Eventually went in off Tyler Myers. And, and an then, exploding stick. And then the fourth goal, the fourth goal was more lack of defensive awareness. Like, they were just asleep at the switch. And I, once again, Petey was in the vicinity. And when you look at the top players that the Canucks had last night, you know, Demko made some mistakes. Um, Petey and Miller, there's a reason their ice time was pretty low last night um you know Lindholm's new to the team so we're not going to pick on him too much but his ice time wasn't too high either uh no one outside of the third line I thought played well at all and you know I'm not I'm I was let down I was like oh I hope we have a good game because Tuesday's game in Carolina was it was a really good game. It was good hockey, and and you know, I I, I thought it was going to be a good hockey game, and I thought we were going to be able to settle in. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have been upset, or I'm I'm not upset now, but I wouldn't have been like devastated if the Canucks had lost to the Bruins in a competitive hockey game. But it's just it was it was a letdown because there was so much hype around this game. We had a lot of fun previewing it, and you know what you want is a competitive third period at at the very least. And the game was over in the first minute of the second period, pretty much. Right. Like that that, that was it. And and then we all just went back to like making jokes. We were like, you know, AV, get him out of there. I I, I nearly said like, get Luongo out of there on Twitter, but I was like, ah, no, that'd be too much. You're better than that. Yeah. But I insinuated that, you know, like, like I was at, I was at game three in Boston. I was in, I was in the arena and, you know, it was a, the first period actually didn't go that, it was, you know, whatever, whatever, who cares? Like, but it was just, you know, you hear that song, uh, they're still doing that, right? Like, so it was, it was, it was similar vibes, similar results. You know, hopefully the Canucks can bounce back. They've done really well to bounce back from poor performances this season. They got two games this weekend. Both are early starts. Just a reminder, uh, tomorrow, uh, 10 a.m. our time, so 1 p.m. Detroit time. And then Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, it starts with a game in Washington against OV and the Capitals. Uh, that's a 10.30 a.m. start time. And then the road trip wraps up Tuesday in Chicago. So look, they're one-on-one on the road trip. They beat a good Carolina team to kick it off. They can still make this a winning road trip. We've got a lot of people texting into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Is this the adversity that Jason was hoping for? I hope it's over now. You know, it's part of it, right? Like showing up on a big stage where a lot of people are watching and you play like that. Now you've got to deal with that. 
Uh, so Gordon Maple Ridge writes in, good morning, good morning, Gord. Don't you guys think that the Bruins just played better and forced the Canucks into playing that way? Well, I'm going to play some audio here from Rick Tockett. He doesn't use the word disappointment to describe that game. He uses another D word. But pay attention to the fact that he says that they gave Boston all four of those goals. Here's Rick Tockett following the 4 nothing shutout loss, just the second shutout loss of the season for the Vancouver Canucks uh, in Boston on Thursday night. Coach, I know you guys wanted to put a good performance out there. It's tough when you go down one shorthanded 35 seconds in. Yeah, we gave them four goals, you know, so then you're chasing the game. And then we had some chances over the empty net, but a couple of, when we did have those shots, we missed the net. You know, it's our first loss in a while, so if you're going to lose, I guess you're going to throw a dud. That was a dud. Like you, Poindexter. So Gordon Maple Ridge does make a good point, though. Like the the Bruins played well, and they have an aggressive penalty kill. Um, you know, they and and I, and I think the thing that really frustrated Rick Tockett was that, and he made a point of saying this. He warned the guys. That pre, He's like pre scout involved yeah, the warning. Yeah. He's like, uh, okay, guys, I don't know if anyone's noticed here. We've been giving up some shorthanded goals. Well, the Bruins are an aggressive team when they are shorthanded. And I think he was very, very frustrated, uh, especially on the first shorthanded goal, because the Canucks just didn't skate back to the puck. They didn't support their goalie. So was there a better play that Demko could have made? Yeah, and he admitted afterwards, look, I was trying to get it to, I can't remember who it was, but he, Hughes. he just... Hughes, and he just put a little too mustard, too much mustard on it. So it rimmed around the wall too high. Hughes couldn't get it, and then it went to the Bruins player. But when you think about it, all the Canucks should have been back to outnumber, first of all, that player, or at the very least, cover Brad Marchand, one of the best goal scorers in the NHL, in front of the net, even if it's a forward you know, the forwards have to recognize that, you know, if Quinn, Quinn Hughes can't do it all defensively just because he's like, Quinn, you're the defenseman, so you, you, you do the defense part. There are times on the Canucks power play that has a lot more movement now when you're going to have two forwards on the point. There was a time on the Canucks power play last night when Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson were the two point men. So you have to be aware that if the the other team and the Bruins were very aggressive, force a mistake, that you have to be prepared to defend, and you have to be prepared to defend with effort, and that's what Rick Tockett was getting at after the game. You should never be beaten on a play like that first one because you should have the numbers advantage. And he pointed that out very explicitly and, in the post. And even meeting. if you've got three forwards versus two forwards, so no defensemen are involved, you should still win that because one guy takes the open man, two guys take the puck carrier, or the other way around if you want to do it that way. But regardless, it shouldn't go to a wide-open player who gets two whacks at the puck to put it in. I mean, it's just... You know, listen, again, we're not going to we're not going to hammer away too much on this because the Canucks have earned the benefit of the doubt that they can bounce back. All teams throw duds. Boston threw one against Calgary and let's talk about Calgary now. 
Okay. Um, well, there was a couple more things I wanted to get to there with regards to the Canucks. I did want to nope, move on to Calgary. No, I, well, I do want to because when we were talking about the, sh- the shorthanded goals allowed, um, I think that ne- it doesn't need uh, like an autopsy and it doesn't need a forensic analysis because I think what's happening right now is obviously a, it's just an anomaly. The Canucks went the first 48 games of the season giving up, I think it was one shorthanded goal against. They have five shorthanded goals against in their last six games. If you go back to when Marner scored in the Toronto game, you look at it, they've given up four in their last three and five in their last six. And there's no real rhyme or reason to it other than what you were just talking about. They just kind of went for a very casual skate yeah, and didn't really do anything. They didn't come back to get the puck. They didn't help and support, and they didn't cover when they turned the puck over. Now, this led to a conversation that Rick Tockett had yesterday about his top players. It was interesting because I think he consciously made the effort not to put anybody by name on blast, but he made a point of saying... That's pretty obvious who he's talking about. Look, when we're on the power play, who's often out on the power play? Our best players. Mm -hmm. And we allowed two shorthanded goals, including the third fastest shorthanded goal in NHL history for you uh, history buffs out there. That was Brad Marchand's 32 seconds into the game. Dirk Graham got a lot of... A lot of Dirk Graham references A lot of Dirk Graham. (laughs) I I texted Shorty. I'm like, we need one more Dirk Graham reference for the Dirk Graham hat trick. (laughs) pretty good. So uh, here's Rick Tockett now talking about his top players and how they weren't there last night compared to Boston's top top players, in particular Brad Marchand, who scored the opening and eventual game-winning goal. Well, listen, we need some... We need a couple guys here. Let's go. I mean, come on. It's... They weren't good tonight, some guys, and they haven't been good, frankly, last. You know, these are this, when you, these are big time games. You know, Marshawn and Pasternak, you know, great players, and they showed up. You know, we got to have that kind of thing. Now, listen, there's our first loss in, like, I don't know how many games, 13, 14, so I can't get too critical, but these are big games you'd like to see a little bit better from some guys, and, you know, those two short the, the short end goal is really is, a, is something you cannot do in big critical games. Did you notice Talk and Check himself there a little uh-huh. bit when he was like, and they haven't been good for the last, mm, moving on. Yeah. Um, remember the talk about a big, long talk with Petey at practice very recently. And we talked to Drancer about that yesterday. And, and we asked him, you know, you've been to a lot of practices. Does that happen a lot? He's like, no, that didn't. So they could have covered a, a variety of topics. And nobody's suggesting that. You know, they they could have been talking about, hey, we got a big finish to this season. You're one of our best players. You're one of our leaders. Um, I think it was written up that Talkit had a chat with Hughes, the captain, as well. Sure. I think IMAC reported that too. So, you know, I, I but listen, I mean, Talkit clearly isn't thrilled with Petey's play over the last little while, and he clearly wasn't thrilled with JT Miller's play, especially last night, and. This know, is, those guys just have to be better. Yeah, they, and, just, and, they just have to be better going well, forward. And this is a recall to what you were talking about prior to the game, and really prior to the road trip, because we pointed out this is a difficult swing. And the eight road games in 10 right after the All-Star break is a very difficult stretch, and maybe they will go through some adversity. We've seen other teams this week. We'll get into the other Canadian teams, like you mentioned, including Calgary and Winnipeg, who, by the way, is also undergoing some serious adversity as well right now. Uh, this is a great test for this group to see how they're going to bounce back. Because Boston 
Mm-hmm. You, I mean, we pointed this out. Boston came out of the gates and played at home against Calgary and had not quite as bad as a performance as the Canucks had last night, but close. Yeah, they scored one goal. Yeah, they got one more than the Canucks did, and they lost 4-1 to Calgary. I want to read this text, uh, unsigned text. I imagine Brad Marchand pumping up the boys in the pregame, letting everyone know how much he owns the Canucks. He's an amazing little rat. I wonder, like those are the types of games if I wonder, like Brad Marchand puts money on the board for him. Like this is the Canucks. I know you guys weren't around in 2011, but I still remember, and I want, like, I I want this to be a good win for us. I was listening to the speaking of uh, money on the board and stuff like that. I was listening to the post game show on the way in this morning, and I guess Connor Garland had some sort of function for the boys. Yeah, lobsters on the board on the board. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lobster rolls for everybody. Leftover lobster rolls. Uh, okay, you mentioned Calgary before. I circle back to the Canucks. Let's go ahead. The Calgary Flames. On a bit of a heater now. They won their third straight. And guess who is leading the charge in Calgary? Well, it's actually a pair of former Canucks, but the most recent one, Andre Kuzmenko, scored again last night. Jacob Markstrom, who's playing real well right now, 37 saves. The Calgary Flames spoiled Jack Hughes' return to the lineup in New Jersey. They win 5-3 at the Prudential Center on Thursday. So the Flames have won three in a row. The Flames have moved one point to within idle St. Louis for the final wildcard spot in the West. They've done this while making the big trade and moving Elias Lindholm out. Uh, they've brought up a handful of guys, either from the minors or one of the guys that they claimed on waivers. I can't put too much stock into a three-game winning streak, although they have looked pretty impressive. And those are, I mean, you go on the road and you get wins over Boston and New Jersey. Those are quality victories, right? 100%. So I'm keeping a very close eye on what's going on in Calgary. Not so much if they're actually going to make this gigantic surge and be a relevant team. I think if they get in, they'll squeak into the playoffs and then they'll be dumped. But I also am curious about when they continue, if or when they continue to sell, because you've got to imagine they have to still, right? You know, you know, we, uh, we did the, uh, crazy scenario of the Canucks playing the Bruins in the Stanley cup final yesterday. Imagine if the Canucks get the flames in the first round, like they sneak in because you just said, if they, if they're going to get in and then they're going to get dumped in the first round, it would be a matchup. There would be a lot of juicy storylines in that one. The crossover between the two teams, they've cross-pollinated each other too much. Yeah. There's too many guys. In Everyone the walks into the rink and is like, who, I, what team am I on? I, I actually can't remember right now. Yeah, all the guys are like, Zadorov, I remember you. And they yeah. walk the other direction. Speaking uh, of duds, by the way, yeah. in that game, Vitek Vanacek. So Oof. that's a problem. I don't it's know. a big problem for the he, he had a poop goal. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah he pooped that, out a puck. Yeah, that was not <laughs> good. He is. He, he, they can't keep doing this. They're wasting an otherwise talented group in a good season. Now, I do wonder if the Dougie Hamilton injury has just set them back to the point where they're like, look, we're, this is just not going to happen this year for us. Yeah, another 862 from their goalie, though. Yeah, like, he's bad. Oof. And, I mean, you were calling for Nico Dawes, right? That's yeah, he was backing up last The night. salvation on the horizon is Nico Dawes. Uh, speaking of a team needing salvation, the Winnipeg Jets are going to need to get this right real quick because they lost their fifth in a row last night. Their offense has gone completely cold, dead silent. They were shut out. Or sorry, they were shut out. They lost 4-1 to Philadelphia yesterday. I think they had a late goal on that one. They outshot the Flyers 25-7 to over the final two periods, so they turned it on in terms of metrics, but they are not scoring a lot of goals right now. They're not down to the level of the Chicago Blackhawks or anything, but um, there's a team, when we talk about tough stretches during the season, Winnipeg's in theirs right now. This is the worst hockey that they've played all year. Are they fully healthy now? 
Yeah, well, they've got Kyle Connor back. Uh, he, Shifley's he, back. Yeah, you know, Kyle yeah. Connor scored yesterday, by the way. So mm-hmm. I mean, he. But they are. Um, they're going through a real drought right now. Where, <laughs> Sean Monahan gets there like. He's a minus yeah. two. I thought yeah. you guys were good. Yeah, they're like, you ruined everything, Monaghan. Minus Go two back in to 17 minutes of ice time. Uh, other quick <laughs> NHL stories from yesterday. We mentioned that Ovi scored again, but the Caps lost again. They've now lost six in a row. They lost 4-2 to the Panthers. You got to wonder when they're going to wave the white flag on the season and the Nick Dowd sweepstakes. I'm not even joking. Those were a thing. It begins. Uh, how about the New York Islanders? Big win for them last night. Bo Horvat continues to get the job done. He had a goal and an assist. So did local boy Matthew Barzell. They won 6-2 against a Tampa Bay team that I'm going to be paying real close attention to now. Tampa Bay has come out of the break. They've lost two straight. I was reading a piece from Eric Erlinson. Well, Tampa more, Bay. Impor- more importantly, they've lost Sergachev. I was Yeah, and I was reading a piece from... Um, uh, Eric Erlinson, who's been covering the Lightning for forever, and mm-hmm. he said that uh, there was talk about them being out of shape coming. It's like, what, were you guys hanging out with Shane O'Brien during the All-Star break? I don't know what was going on there. Out of shape, really? Yeah, That's like interesting. It, yeah, and I don't know if this is a case of them uh, maybe being whittled away because they've got some injuries or what, mm-hmm. but they look flat. Uh, Carolina avenged their loss to Vancouver last night. With a big win over Colorado, Marty Natchez with a natural hat trick in the first period, and then Vegas beat Arizona. So there's your hockey rundown for Thursday. It is a Friday show. We got a lot more to get into. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. I got to ask us anything, Jason. I flagged one. Good, Jason. Good for you, Mike. Jason yells at me sometimes. Way to do your job. You know what? I do lots of things here. The Halford Mm -hmm. and Bruff show. Wait, yelling at me, Bert. What's your ask is anything? Will we hear, will we hear the annual Jason Bruff Valentine special next Wednesday? No. <gasps> no. Hot take horns. Mm-mm. What the hell, man? Why not? I think it's been played out. Okay. You need to explain. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Unlike I, the other jokes on this I show. Just, yeah, it's been played I out. I just think it's played out. All the love songs that I enjoy. Uh, I've played them, and even last year, there were a few that were like, I feel like this is the same one as last year. I was like, well, there are only so many Whitney Houston songs. So, I can't uh, go. No. I can't go February 14th without you somehow shoehorning in air supply to Elias Pettis. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so for those that don't know, and we do a lot of administrative nonsense here, traditional administrative nonsense. So every year, Jason would do a full-on, February 14th, Valentine's Day love mix. And there isn't a better way to say that. It was mm-hmm. a love mix. It was the greatest. And, and they were ded- each song would be dedicated to a player or a group of players or a storyline. But the tradition is dead. Yeah. It jumped the shark. So many of our listeners now uh, listen on podcasts too. Yeah. And we just cannot play the licensed music. I was hoping that A-Dog would maybe get in the booth with me and we could do a Canucks love song, but we just never got around to it. Uh, uh, we, we couldn't find the time. Yeah, I wasn't able to fit you into my schedule, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm still, still trying. By the way, have you watched the We Are the World documentary? Uh, I still haven't yet, but no, it looks good. So, I, I want to watch it. So I, I'm not going to ruin this, but everyone <laughs> They did that. They they churned out a song called "We Are the World." <laughs> it was that's, a hit. That's how it ended. It was based on um, sending the love to, that love down the well. well yeah. But <laughs> it was really incredible how they pulled this off. So one of the hardest things for them was getting all those stars in 
to the same city, into the same part of the world to record the song because, of course, those artists were, you know, busy touring the world. Sure. And, you know, they were all over the world. So, Could you use the internet? So, yeah, 1985. <laughs> uh, so Lionel Richie, who helped write the song with Michael Jackson, um, he was hosting the American Music Awards. Okay. And he hosted the, the AMAs. And then, which were, I don't know if they're still a big deal, but they were a big deal back in the day. And then after the AMA, so it's like 10 o'clock, everyone went to a studio in LA to record We Are The World. So they were in there. So not only did they um, have to go, most of those guys were at the award show too. And then they went to the studio and they had to do the whole thing. They had to record the whole thing. So the chorus uh, their individual parts, and they just worked through the night on it. And so some of the funny stuff was like <laughs> a couple of the people were like drunk or whatever, and they sure. still had to get through their lines. And a couple of them were like old and tired, oh, right? Yeah. Like Ray Charles was there. Yep. And I just found it was uh, – you know, it was it was a good documentary, um, but I just I thought it was incredible. Like Lionel Richie, again, he has to host the AMAs. Can you imagine how much that would take out of you mentally and physically to be up on stage to remember all the stuff that you had to do to get into a uh, to to mm-hmm. host an award show, and then after that, everyone rushes to the studio and has to work hard to get that song done like that's incredible follow-up ask us anything question on that um how much time of the documentary is dedicated to dan Aykroyd being in the chorus none none okay yeah it's so weird i never so, knew that yeah it's so strange yeah. random dan Aykroyd show yeah, he was there yeah <laughs> if, awesome. if you go like the name and there are a couple of, there are a couple of guys that left like waylon jennings yeah Whale. he was he was like this is not for me yeah and left yeah i got some mega vibes out of that yeah yeah Okay. Oh, the way down. Just the good old boys. <laughs> yeah. Okay, another Ask Us Anything, because I flagged so many of them because I'm really good at my job. Uh, ask Us Anything from Chris and Duncan. Should 18- and 19-year-olds really be playing in the National Hockey League? They're all hurt right now. Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, and now Boston's Matthew Potras. Yeah, he got hurt. He did his shoulder injury. Uh, McDavid got hurt in 2015. Leo Carlson's been hurt this year, et cetera, et cetera. Chris, I understand the sentiment of your ask us anything, but um, I just don't see how you could prevent, especially the likes of Bedard and Fantilli, from being able to play. Now, I know the NBA put in an age limit Mm -hmm. a little while ago, but that was to be drafted, 19, and then presumably that means that you have to be 19 years old to play in the NBA. I mean, the NBA did run into some problems, but I think it was less the injury issues and more the the mental maturity of some of the high schoolers that were going, that it just became so overwhelming, right? Some, some of the injuries also in the NHL is it's like what Rick, Rick Taka would call a learning lesson. That's right. That's true. I'm serious. You know, Connor Bedard's a great player, but when you stick handle through the middle of the ice, <laughs> well, you go Bedard, up against look. big guys like Brendan Smith, like you might get hit. Connor Bedard's a kid. So yeah. He looks like a kid. He's mm-hmm. built like a kid. He's a kid. He's yeah. an incredibly talented kid, the most talented. But the reality of it is, is you are, I mean, when they say men versus boys, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some, especially as you get further and further and deeper and deeper into the season, maybe some of that space that you get in game one of 82 
sort of dissipates by game 40 because, you know, guys are starting to get a little bit more physical, starting to get a little bit crankier, angrier. Playoff positioning's on the line. Yeah, it can become hard for a teenager. Uh, Brendan with an Ask Us Anything, do the Canucks need to move Hronik on the power play with Hughes and play two defensemen? Too many shorthanded goals lately, and I think Quinn and Hronik could man PP1 and PP2 for the full two minutes, plus Quinn can dish to uh, for the Hronik bomb. Thoughts um, on this one? What's that? You got thoughts on this one? Because I got thoughts on this one. Then by all means. I don't think that there should be any knee-jerk reaction to what's gone on over the last few games. Well, there'd be like six knee-jerk reactions because there's a bunch of shorthanded goals. <laughs> but they went, they went eight, 48 games without giving up like a single shorthand. Mm. I'd use that as the... No, because it's funny. I wanted not them even to put... slightly concerned, though, that it no, so I'm consistently? No, I'm not. I just think it's an anomaly. I don't think that you need to reinvent the wheel. Okay, what if it happens next game? Will you be worried? How, what's the cutoff before you start getting worried? I'll tell you what the cutoff is. I'll tell you what the cutoff is. It's not right. I just can't see making major changes. Like, we got to implement a second defenseman on the power play. I, I know Tockett kind of sent a message uh, last night when he sent out PP2 to start, I think, the third power yeah, play. right. And Shorty, of course, mentioned on the broadcast, and he said, I thought this might happen. I wanted a stronger message. I wanted the Bluger line out there with, like, <laughs> Noah Juleson yeah, and right. Ian Cole manning the points, and they just cycle the puck well, for two minutes. Well, Rick Tuckett seems to be sending a message. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I get it. I just, I because I wrote, uh, I did, when we were going over the, the notes, I did a lot on the shorthanded goals thing, and I wanted to make it clear just how crazy it's been over the last six games. And I, and I mean crazy as in a, this is probably a statistical anomaly type thing, not a sign that the power play is now, uh, you should start declining penalties because you're getting so many right. goals scored against you. Like, I just think that this is just a freak streak that they're on right now. And I mean, like we were joking about Lindholm. We're like, well, Lindholm comes aboard and all of a sudden all these PK or all of a sudden the opposing PK is scoring goals. Like it just, I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to it. I just think they're going through a funk, but I don't think that they need to readjust and put another defenseman out there. They do play a risky uh, style, though, because of the movement that they've sure. brought to the power play. That's you know, valid. I was mentioning earlier in the show how there were moments out there that Quinn Hughes had shifted to the right sidewall, and then it was Besser and Pedersen on the point. <laughs> and can you imagine if you know Hughes makes a decision to try and go in a little bit deeper, maybe to get a loose puck and it fumbles and then it goes, gets past the point guys like a, th <laughs> you know, even a two on two against Pedersen and Besser mm -hmm. would be a scoring chance for the other team. Um, I did have an ask us. I got one. I got here. one. Cause I flagged a bunch. If you want me to do one. Sure. Go Austin for it. Langley with an ask us anything. This is quite funny. Cause this is all true. Uh, the undertaker. That's right. The professional wrestler, WWF, WWE, The Undertaker, presented the Ryda season trophy that went to the Saudi Arabian League champion. That's Ronaldo. What did you team. call it? Riyadh. <laughs> I said Ryda. Damn it. I asked him for the pronunciation prior to it as well, and he told me. And then I practiced it, and, and then, then I got it wrong. And then you screwed it up. Yeah. Uh, so unprofessional. It never happens to anybody else here. Just Halford. Riyadh. Riyadh. The Riyadh Trophy, which goes to the Saudi Arabian League champion. Right. Also known as the Ryda Trophy. That's okay. my Ryda die. Anyway. Um, it was the Ryda Cup. <laughs> the full Ryda Cup? <laughs> it's the cool urban Ryder Cup. Ryda. Uh, Ronaldo was very enamored by the whole thing. Cristiano mm -hmm. Ronaldo. He had a good laugh. So the question from Austin and Langley, finally. The Saudis are big into 
Like the PIF is investing, or yeah. they, 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 they're hosting a lot of wrestling events, aren't they? they, they yeah, they in are. In Ryda. Yeah. Did Undertaker come out of a coffin? Was it like the. No, oh. he, but he, he was in full getup, regalia. So. And then he did like the, the rising of the trophy with the hand. And Ronaldo looked like a little kid that had seen Did he do his, his finishing <laughs> move on Ronaldo? He loved it. He had this big grin. He thought it was really cool. Tombstone. I thought he was dead. Yeah, but he's back. Give him the tombstone. <laughs> yeah. It was great, right? It was all the crossovers of all the things that nice. the Saudis are pouring money into. Anyway, Austin and Langley wants to know, if you could have anyone present the Canucks with the Stanley Cup, who would it be? I'm going way off the board, and I think this is more like a salty choice that I think would be great because you could rub it in someone else's face. Brad Marshall. Brad Marshall. <laughs> that would be, if he ever gets suspended again, that would be like a creative punishment like for you him. Have to, yeah, he has to come out. He could be wearing a jumpsuit of some kind, and you could be like, there's Brad. And then, like, hey, remember when you mock-lifted the trophy in front of Canucks fans? Now you got to do it for real, and you have to hand the trophy to Quinn Hughes. I think that would be amazing. Who's the I, most Vancouver person of all time that you could pick to hand that award to? Brian Adams. Oh, immediately for you, Brian Adams? Okay. Yeah. Seth Rogen. I don't think he cares about hockey. I don't think he cares about. Yeah, yeah he's. I was going to say Raffy. I mean, maybe Michael Bublé. Bublé's definitely answered the Raffy's conversation. Raffy's a big fan. Raffy, yeah. yeah, Raffy's a big fan. Yeah. But you see, that's the thing. You're doing like you're going one way with it, which just I like totally iconic Vancouverites. It doesn't Ryan have Reynolds? to be like a. Doesn't have to be like a celebrity. Just someone that you think of that now, represents the city. Nardwar. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah I see, exactly. <laughs> um, now, the, the, I don't have an answer for this, but the one because Austin and Langley because I will admit. The Undertaker is probably perhaps the most awesomely random choice. <laughs> there was like, there's other than the fact that it's not all that random when you consider, but he has no the promotion to, but the, the, the Saudis and WWE do a lot of business. Right, but the, okay, but I right, got it. But this is a soccer it. trophy. I got it right? for the Canucks. Yeah, it's yeah. all tied together. For yeah. the Canucks. Yep. Carrot top. Why? That would be random. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, the most random. Yeah, the most the random person. You get, like the Undertaker situation, like the uh, Carrot Top. But the, the but, Canucks. But, <laughs> but the Undertaker is pretty rad. It's awesome. Carrot Top kind of sucks. Yeah, but that's kind of what's funny about it. <laughs> He's someone like intimidating. And presenting like the son yeah, of the guy like that Chuck plays Huggy Bear. Right. Like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger to yeah. present pres- the Stanley. That would be cool, be awesome. right? Yeah, that'd be pretty good. That would be my choice. I changed my choice. I don't want Brad Marchand. I want, I want, All right. I want Arnie. <laughs> Dolly Wall. From the Donnie and Dolly Show, Check TV, Connects reporter here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Rick? How are you this fine Friday? Oh, Friday, Super Bowl weekend. Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. What's going on with Phil Kessel, buddy? Oh, boy. Oh, um, boy. Rick? <laughs> you know what's funny is that Taylor and I got here. We get to work early. Anderson just walked in, the young guy. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? No work ethic. No work ethic. Exactly. Henderson but isn't why, even that young anymore. <laughs> like let's let's stop let's guys. stop calling Henderson young. He is young. He's like twenty five, twenty six max. <laughs> but why are the old guys getting to work early? Taylor and I've been here half an hour. I don't know. All maybe right. maybe you have to wake up and pee. <laughs> hey, speaking of old guys, <laughs> Phil. Hey, there's no peeing issues. We're not that old. Um, Phil Castle's old, and the Canucks. Uh, they have talked about him, and they've discussed him lately. They've also kept in regular contact with his agent. Uh, they like his experience, uh, what he's done in the past, and he's got a relationship. You guys know with Tockett, Elvina Rutherford. Tockett coached him in Arizona. Rutherford acquired him in Pittsburgh. Um, 
the comment from Talkit in Toronto last weekend, there's value in Phil. I think he can still play 100%. Boy, that was telling. And maybe tells you who's driving, you know, Phil in Vancouver possibly. Uh, Canucks talked to his agent in the summer as well. But the agent was looking for a contract uh, before training camp and teams were offering, I'm going to guess, including the Canucks-only PTOs. The biggest issue with Kessel is conditioning. Hasn't played in eight months. He only played four playoff games for Vegas. The number one thing Taka did when he got to Vancouver, he made sure everyone got in tip-top shape. Kessel would obviously need a conditioning stint in the minors. Some people think maybe more than that. Team may want to work with him for a couple of weeks before they sent him to the minors. That, th- these are all things you're hearing. Um, Kessel doesn't cost you anything in assets, and the money will be low. It'll be prorated on 750 or eight or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The Kessel decision may not be far away. Some think soon. Tockett's clearly a fan of the guy. He went out of his way in Toronto to let everyone know he still thinks he can play. I'm not sure where this goes, but the Canucks definitely are poking around uh, Kessel for sure. Rick, can you think of the fit on this yeah. current Canucks roster? Like, Where would Phil Kessel slot in? First of all, they got a centerman playing in the top six as a winger. That's, that's uh, Suter. Then you got Mikheyev, who is really struggling offensively. As he, I don't think he scored in, my goodness, 18, 19 games. So mm-hmm. you've got two guys there that are kind of out of sync in the top six. I Look, the luxury they have is an incredible amount of people that can play center. I, I don't know where Rick Tockett thinks the Kessel would play, but I'm going to guess a natural winger um, like Kessel would make a lot more sense. And, you know, if Suter is dropped to center and Mont can go out, they'd be incredibly. I mean, Miller, Patterson, yeah. Bluger, and Suter up the middle would be incredibly strong. And you also have Lindholm. Uh, that can play at center. So they have all these options. They have, I just don't know if, if Tockett thinks of him as top six or bottom six, because right now I don't want to touch that third line. They showed you no. again last night, uh, again, their importance. And the fourth line is the fourth, li- fourth line, you know, Hoglander, Lafferty, and Amon. So I don't know where, uh, you know, Tockett is thinking, but I do know that McKayev right now, I don't know if he's a long-term fix. And when he was in Toronto, he was in the bottom six. And I think the way the Canucks got him is they obviously told him that you'll get a shot in the top six. But, you know, you got a suitors there. He's a centerman. So I, I, there, you could see where they could think possibly too, Jason, maybe in the top six. And yeah. maybe they think too. But I, I, I go back to this. He hasn't played in eight months. And, you know, you know that he's going to be sent to Abbotsford for a conditioning stint if it happens. But all the all the teams right now, uh, their concern with the agent right now is, is he in shape and how can we get him? Not only is he in shape, but is he in NHL game shape? There's a big difference between the two. Was he a healthy scratch in the playoffs most of the time for Vegas last year? Yeah, yeah he only yeah. played four games. He right. only played four. Um but there is a relationship yeah. with this guy. They know him inside. He won two cups with him, did he not, in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh? And then Tockett had him. Um, in there's a third-line role. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But there just seems to me, um, uh, when they're talking to the agent this week, it just seems to me that there are some people in that Canuck organization that obviously like him a lot. I, I, it's interesting on a multitude of levels because he was an every game player for Vegas last year during the he played all 82 games 
That's right. Kessel did. Um, I, and I can't – so when I heard about this, I started looking around, and the one that jumped out – now, totally different style of players, although they're both forwards, but Zach Parise signing in Colorado. Like, a That's lot right. of similarities there, right? Because Parise played all 82 games last year. He had 21 goals. And then the way that it was framed there was it was more Parise wasn't willing to commit to a full 82-game season this year. He wanted to rest and figure out where he wanted to go. And in addition, there were multiple contenders calling on him. Are there other teams reaching out to Kessel, or is it really just the Canucks at this stage of the game? No, there's other teams. There's other teams. His agent has has obviously been working. You know, before training camp, they, they thought they were going to get something, and then like I said, the Canucks did talk to them in August, and and talks broke down. But I I do believe they probably just offered a PTO, not a a contract. And I think the agent at the time before training camp was looking for a contract. No, but to answer your question, Mike, the the Canucks are not the only team poking around. There are other teams that are poking around, and one of the reasons is, guys, so many teams are up against the cap, and Kessel's a freebie, right? He doesn't cost you any assets, and you know you're not breaking the bank by signing him. He is only 36; uh, he's not 38, 39, 40. And you know, last year, you know, and you nailed it: 82 games, 36 points. The year before that, in Arizona, he had 52 points. Mm-hmm. He scored 20 goals of 14 last year, 23 years ago. So I, I just think that the combination of talk at Alvina Rutherford, knowing this guy inside out, is probably why they're poking around, kicking the tires on him. But I, 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 I just, again, go back to you. I, the Canucks just coughed up a first-round pick for Lindholm. I don't think they're in the mood to cough up any more first-round picks or you know anything of that ilk uh, going forward. Uh, are they poking around any other potential trades? It doesn't have to be for a first-round pick, but uh, what are you hearing on that front? Well, first of all, Elvin's been busy scouting. He was in Boston at the Beanpot Tournament over the weekend. He's in Michigan right now. There's a big tournament. There's a ton of NHL people in Michigan. Also, um, uh, Canucks have that NCAA uh, defenseman, Trescott, in Michigan this week. So, um, Patrick's been busy scouting, but clearly they would like to add a defenseman. They've been po- they've been calling teams about a D. The Flames still think they can eventually, I'm not saying today, eventually get a first-round pick for Tanev. Canucks can't do that. They really like him, and they realize there's a ton of interest in him around the league, but it's going to be hard to part with another first-round pick for Vancouver. I don't know if you guys watched last night, but Tanev got hurt twice, left the bench, came back both times. I mean, this guy is is, – and that's Calgary's worst nightmare right there if Tanev gets hurt. He left twice last night in New Jersey, came back both times. The guy just – his threshold – threshold for paying this guy after the Edmonton series two years ago the laundry list of injuries he had was incredible it's one of the reasons why he's coveted and so many people around the NHL respect him so much is because of that but I it, it clearly looks like to me they're making phone calls uh, for a defenseman Susie is uh, Sufi, Susie had a, a soft cast on his a broken knuckle last time I checked mm-hmm. so I mean still a few weeks away but when he gets back you know um, you always got to be worried. He's been injured three times this uh, year, guys. Kind of fluke injuries, but you got to protect yourself and have the right depth, uh, especially on D uh, for the playoffs. So you can understand why they're out there trying to uh, get another defenseman. You know, Rick. The more I watch that third line with Dakota Joshua and Teddy Bluger, oh. the more I think, man, it'd be nice to be able to bring those guys back. Uh, any updates on the pending UFAs the Canucks have? Because they have some key guys. 
Look at Joshua last night, guys. The breakaway early, 17 seconds, draws the penalty, and they give up. I mean, that. Yeah, Joshua cost them the game with that uh, drawn penalty. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they scored the winning goal. But just, you know, 17 seconds in, the, the guy draws a penalty. He's been so good this year. Um, they are going to try on a number of their UFAs. And, you know, not all of them are going to have to wait till the end of the year. I think they'll get to some sooner. The one thing I've been told, the one thing working in Vancouver's favor with all these UFAs is this group likes Vancouver. They like the team success. They're not in a hurry to get out of town. When players want to return, that helps with negotiations. The perception of Vancouver is changing in the NHL, and that happens when you get the right management group and and, and obviously a well-respected coaching staff, and all of a sudden everybody wants to stay and play. I've, I had agents who, you know, the Canucks have had a bad, before this year, they've had a bad 10-year stretch. I had agents who used to rip the Canucks the last few years. They're not doing that anymore. I talked to one this morning who, you know, was sitting there saying, holy smokes, boy, did you guys turn it around in Vancouver? And I said, yeah, this was a, this was a place you didn't want your clients to play, you know, a few years ago, and now you want them to play here. It's uh, the winning, the perception uh, of, the, of the Vancouver around the NHL has changed with this incredibly you know, winning season they've had. Here's the thing with the UFAs. They're not going to sign them all, so the Canucks are going to need guys in Abbotsford to move up. The likes of Pod Colson, Baines, Carlson. Hey, can Cole McWard make the jump next year? Mm-hmm. That would help. If the Canucks don't re-sign Casey to Smith, and I have no information they're not going to, but can Arthur's Seelovs be the backup? Late Last summer, the Canucks were seriously considering Silas for the backup role behind Demko. He had that great World Hockey Championship in Latvia for Latvia. It was Casey DeSmith's agent who had permission from Montreal to talk with teams that called Vancouver and help facilitate that trade for DeSmith. It was the agent that played a big role in that. Whether it's next year or the year after, you figure Silas at some point is going to have to uh, – He's gonna he's gonna have to make the team in Vancouver in the next year or two, but they're going to need guys in Abbotsford to make the jump next year. There's no ifs ands or buts about that. Yeah, where do you see a guy like Baines fitting in? What a week he had, eh? Uh, yeah. American Hockey League awesome. MVP. You know the Surrey kid. Every but here's the thing, Jason. Everybody wants him in Vancouver now. Well, if there's a barrage of injuries, yeah, he's gonna get the call. But take away the injury situation scenario for a second. The Canucks are in no hurry to call up young guys. There's a developmental process that has to take place. You call up a young kid and he struggles in Vancouver, his development could go backwards. Baines and Pod Colson, they're in the same boat. No rush to call these guys up. No rush. Now, I will say this. Baines has put himself in his position to get the call someday. The Obviously, management is absolutely impressed with him. His work ethic is second to none. Rutherford was in Abbotsford last week. Uh, checking out the prospects and you know his history he doesn't rush kids so I think you're going to see them cook in Abbotsford get a ton of minutes play 20 minutes power play penalty men all of them not just you know Pod Colson and Baines yeah, and commit to a team too right like go and yeah. do something in the playoffs yes and here's the other one for you you know um, play down there get better every day and then get called up that they want to call these guys up when they're ready to be everyday NHL players. Not Mm -hmm. just, you you see Carlson going up like a suitcase back and forth. That's what they don't want for their young kids. Come up one day, go back down. You know, that's, that's not what they want. They want these guys, you know, to, to establish good work habits in Abbotsford and then carry them over. 
It's been a good year for Canucks prospects. Baines, American League MVP, LeCarrie Mackey, World Juniors MVP, and this Ty Mueller kid nominated for the Hobie Baker. You know, the Canucks got criticized for drafting him last year as a 19-year-old in college, and a lot of people were like, you know, why are you guys doing this? He's, You know, he's 19. You couldn't find someone in the Canadian Hockey League or, you know, someone younger. But this kid is, is you know, well, guess what? He's up for the Hobie Baker in the NCAA, and he's had a really good year down there. Rick, enjoy the weekend, buddy. There's a lot of sports on, two Canucks games, plus the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you next week. Adios. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. That's Rick Dollywell, Canucks reporter from the Donnie and Dolly Show on Check TV here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.